Welcome to Pull the Pin Already Boot Camp Edition. I'm your host, Jim. With me as usual is Mike and our special guest, Paul. How you doing? All right. All right. All right, Paul, you ready to get started? Sure. Where are we going? <laughs> I got my seatbelt on. I am remiss. Somebody's going to get injured because I don't see a reflective belt on either one of us. <laughs> One's on my waist, so you can't see it next. <laughs> Hey, my way is so big, it's covering the reflective belt. <laughs> <laughs> so, Paul, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? All right. Well, um, thanks you both for having me. Uh, I got a um, a message from the venerable Mike James the other night saying, "You want to be on a podcast?" Like, are, you, are you Are you bullshitting me here? Like, you probably already know the answer. Uh, hey, so that being said, hey, thanks for having me. Uh, I don't know. You want the generic? Um, grew up in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, I'm still in my 40s. Not for long, but I'm still there. Um, uh, Me too. I was in the Army. I was back in the Army. I started off in the Old Guard, actually, if you can believe that. And if you if you would see my stature, you would find that funny because I'm I'm not a real big dude. But I uh, spent most of my time in the 160th Special Operations Aviation Regiment. Uh, got all kinds of crazy trips downrange to different places. Met Mike in Kandahar in what 2010? It was probably, yeah. probably 2010. Yeah, yeah. We'd sit outside and have great arguments over uh generator noises, which we were we were talking about earlier. Yeah, without speaking over generators, but uh, <laughs> father of uh, four average. Dude, that most people can't figure out politically. So let's give it a whirl. Okay, all right. <laughs> so what's on your mind? What do you want to talk about today? Oh man, I don't know. I went back and I was listening to y'all today, and I was like, "There's so much I got to unwrap." I mean, it was actually counterproductive. <laughs> I started like I- I've got something that I really want to talk about, and now I'm like, I-, I don't, I don't even. Know. So, um, I'll start off with this question, and um. It's it's probably it's I think I can segue into what you and I talked about earlier, but uh-huh. stick with me for a minute. Um, when I travel overseas a lot, I have a tendency to end up in pubs, mm. and um, the conversation is usually really good in there. And one question I like to ask um, everywhere I go is: um, it seems very simple to me, but um, do you own yourself? Mm. Do you believe in the notion that? You own yourself, self-ownership, and everything that it entails. Mm. Said yes or no? I'm going to say yes. Yeah, sure. I'm going to pose that to the both of you. Yeah. (laughs) I will say yes also. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to say no. If he says yes, Paul, I'm saying no, damn it. All right, then I'll say no. (laughs) But but ironic, it's that's a a very uh, American notion that I find in my my travels abroad, this, this notion of, you know, that still rugged individualism, that, that self-ownership. And that was kind of one of the things when, when I was listening to one of your other talks the other day, I'm like screaming into it. Like, it's all a matter of self-ownership. <laughs> okay. So I, I'm going to go uh, on the basis of self-ownership. And uh, I, I looked at the political climate climate that we've had here in this country for the last eight years, 10 years, 10 years. And it's really becoming 
um, alarmingly dysfunctional at an accelerated rate. Uh, the, the, there, there's usually the pendulum swings really hard, and then we come to some type of homeostasis where mm. it's this is bizarro. It's backwards. It's the harder the pendulum swings to one side, the harder the reaction is to the other. And I just, you know, I had this thought that when is it time for the responsible adults in the room to start having talks about the notion of secession, which is a very American thing, I think, in its in its application, that's politic. But it seems to be like one of those things that you can't seem to talk about is uh, I live in Tennessee right now. And the average person where I live in Tennessee right now wants nothing to do with the likes and the politics of the Nancy Pelosi's of the world. Right. And it causes this tremendous animosity that is to a point where, unfortunately, I see this leading to some some real violence. What, we, what we've been experiencing, yeah, it, it, you can categorize it as violence, but that's not real violence like i've seen real violence in the world i think most of us have seen real violence and i really don't want that for my country so how do we alleviate the divide that we have in the body politic do we just come along and we all of a sudden agree with each other do we kumbaya or do we say like man maybe we need to break down into smaller body politics Mm. Where you know we we have more in common. Think about when the, the country was founded. I mean, we were uh, you know a, a small, relatively homogenous people. There, we you had essentially Western Europeans and most of them Brits. You, know, you had a very common culture. It, very, it worked very easy, but our numbers were also much smaller. What was the original representation numbers we had? Uh, when the Constitution was passed, it was one representative for 30,000 people. Mm. I mean, if you use that same ratio today, we'd be, I think it's like we'd have like 10,500 representatives. <laughs> I mean, so are we really getting representation? Right. And I think the best way that we can do that is we can localize it. We know we say all politics is local, but the way that the Leviathan of the federal government has grown, I don't, I think that's, it's difficult and it's been flipped on its head. And so I'm just really, I, I think that this is a, a topic of discussion that I'd like to have because I think it's a means of having continued peaceful relations with our neighbors in this geographic landmass. It doesn't mean that we're still, we don't still have the same ideals. We just may have different ways about going about our ideals. Mm. Yeah, I think yeah. there's, Go oh, sorry. I was going to say, I think there's something to be said for that because as we all know in the Army, um, there are different types of people, one that expect it to come from the chain of command down and others that believe you need to work it up. And I was one of those guys who believe, you know, if I have the best team and motivated and, and they're all squared away, that will spread to the rest of my squad, which will spread to the ne- I'm a bottom up kind of guy. And I think in our society today, that's where I would lean. I'm going to do a better job of not going off the handle when I hear something that I'm taking personal when I shouldn't or even the politics of today, just because they don't align with me doesn't mean there's not something I can work with there. Uh, so I think we have to do this from the bottom up and expect the politicians to be politicians. And like you said, local government, how many people do you know even know who their local government is? Correct. Mm. People need to be involved in that. 
but I, I can find out real easy who they are and do a quick Google search <laughs> and throw that shit into my GPS and figure out they live like three miles down the road from me. Yeah. And when they start doing some jackassery, like I can go show up and go, hey, we need to have a talk. Really kind of hard for me to do that with Chuck Schumer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, apparently it's not that hard to get in the Capitol. So I, I think you're the end of the <laughs> Good point. <clears throat> but I think I think in seeing that, I think you're seeing a symptom of what I'm talking about. Right. If we go back and we look, th this country was how was it formed? I mean, we essentially politically as a body politic seceded from the king uh, of England. Mm. <clears throat> we told the crown, hey, we don't want to be party to your game no more. And then unfortunately, what do dictators do? They're like, the F if you ain't. Right. You ever seen my army and my navy? They're pretty badass. Mm -hmm. Sending them over your way. <laughs> but when we go back and we look at that notion today because we won the conflict, we go like, oh, wow, that was great. We hold these men up in these ideals as heroes. I went back and reread the Declaration of Olympics. Actually, I want to do this because this is kind of the basis of what I was starting off. Mm -hmm. um, I pulled the Declaration up again, and it says um, – that we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are in, you know, the thing. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Hold up. Stop right there. Stop right there. I missed that, yeah. Hey, hey Jim, and this is why we used to argue. <laughs> he used to set me up like that, man. But go ahead. Sorry about that. All right. You know, they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable un un rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so this is where, you know, you bring in the whole Lockean notion of, of government, of, of kind of what I'm trying to get at here. They secure these rights. Governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the government. Hmm. Right? That's Locke's second treatise. That when any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as that them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence indeed will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. And accordingly, all experience has shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are customs. When a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object invinces the design to reduce them under absolute de despotism, it is their right, comma, no, it is not only their right, emphasis me, but it is their duty to throw off such a government and to provide new guards for their future security. Now, duty, now think about the cats that wrote that phrase right there in the time frame of the context, what the word duty meant. Yeah, they a probably weren't than laughing. it does today, right? Yeah, they weren't laughing like it was a meme. No, said, like it was right. some bullshit, right? Like, right. They, you know, right. As a matter of fact, we're going to like put everything kind of on the line here because if we lose, we're, 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 we're kind of effed. So we go into, <clears throat> through several secessionary crises after that, uh, the Hartford Convention, uh, which was... Um, uh, during the War of 1812, when we wouldn't we would trade, we had uh, uh, trade embargoes with uh, the British. Um, 
when the Louisiana purchase was mm-hmm. done, the Federalist had threatened secession over that, that Jefferson had overgone his bounds. We had the nullification secessionary crisis of the tariffs of abomination. So this whole notion of like, hey, assholes, this is becoming detrimental to me. We're going to go do our own thing was is not un-American until we get to you know, the actual civil war war between the states – Northern aggression, Southern, however you want to phrase that, mm-hmm. it really wasn't a civil war. It was literally that a secession, and that's why I think because it becomes so when you try and have the discussion on the topic, when maybe we do better in political bounds, and you and you bring up that word automatically. What's what do most people assimilate with that word when you say that word? What secession? Yeah, in the American lexicon. Treason. 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 <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. Really I mean, quiz, so I, I didn't study. Yeah, that, no. So. The people, people look at that as like if you mention that today, which I have. Um, people will say, "Well, that's not those, those guys." People who think like that are not patriotic. Right? Those are the people yeah. seeing people burning the flag. <laughs> no. No. Oh, no. Okay. No. I mean, treason is defined in, in the in the Constitution as giving aid and comfort to the enemy. Mm-hmm. I mean, who if we are the the people of that unit, who's the enemy? I mean, are you saying that that you, the government, is now the enemy? I mean, that, like, no, the government will label you the notion no. of the consent of the governed. Yeah, the government will label you as one who wants to succeed, succeed a uh, treason. Oh. How is it treasonous, though? I don't understand that. I mean, well, I understand why that gets levied about, but then it's never rationalized. Because I mean, what's you're a, you're a traitor, or, or or the other thing when you talk about secession is like, oh, you just want slaves again. So there's really no honest discussion because those things without merit get thrown into the topic. Well, I think it depends. Well, when you talk about slaves again, a lot of people say the same thing when you talk about the Civil War, the North versus South. People say, oh, they just want to be able to keep the slaves and things like that. But um, I think today, I don't think, uh, I, well, personally, I never heard anybody talk about, especially here in Texas, about how they want to have slaves again. I never heard anybody say that. Didn't uh, Alan West, didn't he just say something about secession a couple, like a week ago? Yeah, but. Now, no one here said anything about Alan West may want to have slaves. <laughs> <laughs> That's to my point. <laughs> you know what I find fascinating? My my son has been into this uh, geography stuff, and, and it's coming along with history. I'm not a huge history buff, so I listen to you guys like I'm learning something. But uh, he's been enlightening me on this kind of stuff that has been going on overseas forever. Like the concept of countries taking countries, breaking apart, renaming, seceding, that's a common theme overseas constantly. And we look at it like, holy cow, who would ever think of that? So it just blows my mind how we're like so far from even reality because we live in our own little bubble. Yeah, I think the majority of Americans will look at that as, oh, they're so, those other countries are so far behind us. You know, we we went through that period already. That now these other countries are starting to go through that. But I look at it in the context like the European Union. How many people celebrate Brexit? Yeah, I'm about to say you talking about before or after Brexit. You know what I mean? Yeah. You still have Catalonia. You still have Scotland. You still have you know. So the notion is still out there, and and when it's discussed amongst other countries. 
look at the end of colonial reign in Africa. I mean, nobody went like, oh, Benin really shouldn't be their own country. I mean, they should like really still kind of be part of France, right? I mean, it was right. celebrated. You know, why I don't understand why we, we, we have this, this, this crazy notion that when it's talked about that, man, people in the South in general, I'm going to talk in very broad brushstrokes. Yeah. But people in the South generally, their traditions and their habits and the way that they get along are, are vastly different than New Englanders. Is vastly different than Southern Californians, which is vastly different than Northern Californians. But yet here we all are lumped. And it, and it almost becomes kind of a, a forced assimilation, you know, in the name of diversity that we have over there. And, and I think that's where you start to have conflict. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I think it's very false. And I, and I tell people this all the time because I grew up in Jersey and uh, I moved out of Jersey and, and, and I've seen the world a lot better. But in New Jersey, they try to tout this um, like it's some honor that they're so, they're so diverse in New Jersey. But I will tell you exactly what I saw. I saw this place over here where all the Indians lived. This is where all the Hispanics lived. This is where all the blacks lived. This is where all the white rich people lived. And, and they all went to the same mall occasionally. And they call that diversity. But it's not diversity. It's total self-segregation. People chose it because they feel more comfort in their cultures and their stores and things around that. And they, they tout that. Now, I've seen other places where you can have a, a trailer park next to a, a mansion and they're not worried about either one of them. Or, or blacks living next to whites and they're not worried about them. And that happens to be in the South. I've seen some of that. Right. So we even have a false sense of what really diversity means. I can't hear you, Mike, if you're talking. Maybe oh. that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> can you hear me now? What? What? <laughs> no, is that a problem, though, when you talk about that that form of uh, diversity where you have little pockets of communities? I don't think it's a problem. I oh, personally okay. think, I have to tell you, I have Hispanic in-laws. They want to be around a bodega. They like right. Peruvian food. They want to be in a place where they can get Peruvian food. My father-in-law doesn't speak much English. He wants to be able to talk to somebody at a store that speaks Spanish. Right. I totally get that. So they couldn't go everywhere I go or live everywhere I've lived. Understood. So I don't have a problem with that. Hey, uh, do you guys hear that clicking noise? I do, but I don't know what it is. I do as well. Okay. It's you, Jim. It sounds like you're typing or you got some kind of mouth in your pocket, man. Chewing on some wires or something. Yeah. I'm sorry mouth. to interrupt, Paul. Go ahead. No, no, no. That's okay. But, okay, getting back to the diversity, um, I look at that as being a diverse community as far as the state goes. You know, um, to me, diversity doesn't have to be where you have everybody living in this one little section and uh, singing Kumbaya. No. America is a diverse country, you know? Absolutely. If each state wants to, which should be, do what they wanted to do, you know, uh, put their own laws in place, which should, that's the way it should be, you know, to me, that's still a diverse country. I don't see a problem with that, but a lot of people say, oh, with the United States, it needs to be just one law or what have you. And I'm like, okay, if that's the way you, if that's what you believe, then that's what you believe. I don't. 
Well, and I, and I think we we march further and further, you know, every day really in the grand scheme of things towards greater and greater centralization. Mm. And I think I think we have more social conflict because of it versus less social conflict because of it. Mm, can you give me an example? Because um, I kind of want to agree, <laughs> but I, I'm just trying to give an example. Right off the top of my head, I could say um, I just the first thing I'm going to pull out of my four point of contact here would be um, the federal drug laws mm. versus state drug laws. Right. Right. So you had like, let, let's look at marijuana in, in particular, because the, mm-hmm. the tide is now turning from the state side. I think that the federal government is going to have to respond. To right. But that the, the, the war on American drug users was a federal mandated. It wasn't a state mandated actions. And I think that that has caused more harm overall. Then when the states decided that they, hey, we don't really agree with this, the people here, again, it goes back to the Lockean notion of the consent of the governed, that we don't really agree with that here. I mean, let's go ahead and change our laws to, to, to reflect something different in, in the way that, that we view things. Right. But even like with California, I mean, up until what, last year, you, you still couldn't even do banking if you did in the legal marijuana industry in, in 22 states. Right, because that was a federal RICO thing at that point. Right. And look at the damage that that's caused. But that's again centralization. Um, economic. We we have such a huge economic uh, centralization since FDR. Really, really prior to FDR, but FDR really made it um, you know, very high speed up in, at that point. And these they hurt some sectors to the the, the detriment of some to the benefit of others. And so if you're putting in a, in a, a policy, a federal policy, that's going to hurt one group just to help another group, how are you not going to have animosity in that that affected group? I, mean, I, I don't know if I'm making sense of what I'm saying to that. but I agree, but they, I don't think they really think like that. They, they try to think of it as like, uh, how is this going to make our country better? Let's just take federal laws, drug laws. They say overall, just no, it's illegal, whatever it may be. And some states might say, let's say, how did this start with marijuana, right? Well, okay, we'll agree with that, but you know they can have this much for personal consumption. You, you get what I'm saying? But on a federal level, they just want all drugs to be illegal. Like it's a controlled substance, so no, it's illegal. And that's when, this, to me, I think the states need to jump in and say, "Okay, we hear you, but no, we're not going for it." Yeah, but they, but they, I, I agree with you one hundred percent. And you, yeah. you start to see that pushback, but you still have this very large centralization on there. That how long has marijuana been legal in California? Right. And you still put people in jail because they're using a bank because there's, you know, I mean, there's. Mm-hmm. There's some absurdities that go along with that. Um, but if you look at the the greater disasters, I think, in the 20th century, when you, when you look at large-scale humanitarian disasters, they have a tendency to come from vast centralizations of power. You, know, you look at the Great Awakening. How, how is it that Mao could kill 30-some million people? Mm-hmm. If he was a mayor of a town. Right, right. 
You know, I mean, how could Hitler have portrayed the chaos in Europe had he just been a postmaster? Mm. But you have this large centralization of these very... Uh, if you look at before uh, the Prussian-German unification uh, in what the 1870s or whatever, uh, the beginning of the 1800s, Germany was a huge collection of, of multitudes of states, free cities within those states. Mm-hmm. And, and, and how expansionist were they on the grand world scheme? But you had collectivization of power, and then all of a sudden, the individual that lived in those cantons, they no longer mattered. Mm. Right? It was that, that large collectivization, and I think that's what we, we, we tried to do with the founders was try to decentralize right, right, right. in our government. I think that's what they looked at. Mm. If we followed more of the Jeffersonian notion, we'd, we'd probably be – we'd look a lot differently than I think we would today, but – when you but, say we, we would look a lot differently, what do you mean? Uh, well, you figure from the very beginning you had um, you know, the Hamilton and Jeffersonian debate where Hamiltonian, he liked a strong centralized government. I mean, he essentially wanted what the, the English parliament, the king had, except with right. buttons in charge and different positions with titles. Jefferson had a you know, much more, um, hey, when we get enlightened to enough as a society, we should all be able to just govern our own selves and our own mm-hmm. affairs. Right. You know, and I think that's the end all goal of what the American experience was supposed to be. And it's not anymore. It's you just do whatever I tell you to do and don't do what I tell you not to do and, and make sure you pay X percentage of the fruits of your labor and just shut the F up, pick your rucksack up, just keep walking. Well would yeah. you agree that the problem the one of the main problems I see is that if People or community in a state have a problem. A lot of times they don't go to the state. They go to the feds to try to solve said problem. So you're already excluding that, let's say, individual state from solving the problem. You know what I mean? Of course you're going to go to the guy with the biggest bat. Why wouldn't you? Because that's the problem. Well, I agree. So you gotta start making smaller bats. <laughs> agreed. Agreed. I, I heard. I heard an argument for uh, the whole liberal versus, uh, I guess, conservative point that uh, they defined it like this. They said the problem is the liberals want the bigger government because they think if you just get enough smart people in charge at the top, the country will work out better. Where the conservatives more the. Uh, if everybody takes care of themselves, we'll have a better country. So those two are in direct conflict. So you're never going to have a compromise. Mm. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, that point. Yeah, yeah. So how yeah. do you compromise? Like uh, because it's all about the smart people and where we put them. Either you're all smart, or the people in charge of us are all smart. But but the problem. But see, here's the problem I have with that notion. So like, if you have all, a whole bunch of really smart, truly benevolent you know, selfless people and you can find 535 of them plus nine plus two and that you get them all in the same spot, like that shit might work. Mm. However, you create positions of power over other people and you get psychopaths, sociopaths, narcissists mm. selfish i mean you get all the, the nastiness rise to those positions because who wants to do that shit every day right and i, I always say that 
I say stupid people are breeding faster anyway, so we're doomed. So idiot, idiocracy is is definitely a, a documentary. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So let me ask you this, Paul. If you were <laughs> king for a day here in America, what would you do to try to change it? You won't be able to change it to exactly where we'd be. But you mean uh, within the same constructs that we have currently right now? Like No, no. Go way outside the box. Okay. Yeah. Um, man, I do a lot of things. Uh, uh, first of all, I would change. I would mandate that uh, every ballot of every election has none of the above as an option. Wow. And if none of the above wins, guess what, boys? Got to go back to the drawing table. Like, all that shit ton of money you just spent on the total dube. Yeah, wow. that was a waste. Like, now you have to get somebody that's responsive to the people. So I, I'd do that. Wow. I'd abolish the 17th Amendment. Mm. I would go back to a true bicameral form of government where the states are actually represented, where mm -hmm. senators would be elected by the state legislatures the way they used to be. They could also be recalled by those same state legislatures when they're not being responsive to the needs of the state. Um, I would do your income taxes like, remember CFC, the Combined Federal Campaign? Yeah. Remember that when your uh, commander come out, he'd be like, Lord, it's CFC time, Marie. you're going like, to do something good over there. Like, don't do yeah. shit, aren't you? You're like, yes, sir. <laughs> right? Okay, so now, now think about it, though. You got to open it up, and it was all these different programs out there that you could choose mm -hmm. and your money and how you did it. Now, imagine if your tax burden was $10,000 a year, and you get to go... Open up the catalog. Right. Right. I'm I I really dig NASA. Not really, but I'm just using that as an example. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah. I'm gonna give all ten thousand of that shit to NASA. Yeah. Would our government look tremendously different than it does today? Mm -hmm. Would our spending look tremendously different? Like I don't care about your buddy over there and working for whatever company. It's gonna be again, that would be a, a gauge of the consent of the governed. Mm. Um I would make Congress declare an effing war and sit down and debate it. I would take that power away from the executive to just, we're just not going to call it a war. I mean, the bombs and the bullets and the death, and right. death it's all the same, but we're going to call it something different. So then it's really not. I, I, would, do, I would do away with that. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's my first day. Yeah, that's and then by executive order, I would make no more executive orders. Nice, nice. Yeah, I nineteen. Right? I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to uh, think of one of those I might disagree with. I can't. No, no. <laughs> I was. I was a big proponent on the uh, tax thing because I thought if if I were able to put where my tax dollars go, I'd have less to complain about, and. It would be that's it. I'm paying my tax dollars, and this is what I'm paying for. If it doesn't work out, that's where I put it. I mean, I still think taxes are theft, but sure. I think that's a much more equitable way to have my social responsibility taken yeah. care of. Yeah. Order my consent. Yeah. Well, there are certain things like our military, like our police, and you know, there's certain things we collectively have to partake in because if people decide oh, I don't want to pay for cops, I don't want to pay for that, then you should have a right to refuse to help them. I mean, if they're not willing to put in and, and get these, so I think I think some of that has to be. So I don't believe it's complete theft. Maybe, you know, something. Uh, well, I believe in paying for what I used, 
right? Yeah, it is I, complete I don't theft. believe in being forced to pay for things that I don't use mm. or I don't right. want. So if under those premises, you don't have to have a dude standing in the back of the room with a truncheon with his hand out going, pay for this shit that you want to use because I'm going to do that voluntarily. Mm. Just yeah, seems like a much more peaceful way to go about life. Than- yeah, and if you pay for things that you use, then people won't look at it as theft. Right, they won't abuse it. Right. They won't abuse it. Again, you don't have to take it from me by force either. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I want to pay for that school or the education or whatever. How education. many people do you know that go, school is stupid? Like, how many intelligent adults do you know, like, for kids say, like, you better clarify that because most kids say that every day. <laughs> Everybody should be out there just like booger eating morons, right? Like nobody says that. But yet you why? Oh, because education is important. Okay, so you're gonna leave it something that's that important, the education of your own children, to an institution that's so inept it's the government. Mm. These dudes bankrupted a whorehouse that sold booze to truckers in Nevada. <laughs> I'm going to put them in charge of my kids' education? Like, this is insanity. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, the government messes everything up, don't they? Anything they touch. Right. I mean, so, so, but, but with government, though, really, at the end of the day, if you think about it, everything that you mentioned earlier is nothing but a service. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and some services, how do we provide those services are harder to, to figure out than, than others. But, like, you notice the, 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 Post office hasn't run in the black in since like 1952 or something. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous, right? But you know, that's like the one thing that they can spend money on that they come back every year and go, oh, it's in the Constitution. See, it's mm-hmm. right here, post offices. Well, so you're telling me that that's a service that they provide. And if you keep it in context of the time, you can understand why they came up with that service. But that's like today saying, the mail won't get delivered without UPS. <laughs> like, ignore the FedEx truck driving by. Ignore the Amazon guy. Right. You know, well, those when's guys are much time, nicer. When's the last time FedEx, you know, operated in the red? It's true. It doesn't happen. So and now just can you relay these thoughts onto other services that we have? I mean, there are more private security agents in the United States than there are municipal police officers. Mm. That's a service. We just kind of figure out this is the way that the service is done, but that's the policing is different because that's the, the pointy end of politics right there, right? That's the, that's the enforcement arm of the laws that are made, right? This is an organization that, that gets to claim the monopoly on the utilization of that violence, monopolies aren't generally great right so that's that's a difficult one to use a fire i mean i i worked volunteer ems i've worked municipal ems i've worked uh i'm a paramedic by trade mm-hmm. uh, I, I've, I've done it in the private sector and ironically by far the best facility that i ever worked for was the volunteer one wow we got money based upon the service we gave <clears throat> you know, so we were responsive. Like, oh yeah, hey, Mrs. Schmelz, come on, let me carry you out here. You know, you were happy to do that. Mm-hmm. Let's just get your ass in the back of the bus. Right, right. You know, I, I did my rotations in Brooklyn. Mm. Hey, get in the bus. 
you know, that leads to accountability too. When you look at that, like I can't tell you how many times I've seen government workers at the bottom of the, the pole in, in every aspect and they don't care because they can't get fired. There's no accountability. Nope. There. Nope. So there's no Zero. It's a guaranteed check. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like um, if you have a certain demographic that's always going to go for this political party, they don't really have to do anything for you because they know you're not going anywhere. Correct. Right. And, both, and both sides do that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Did you? Oh, wait a minute. Did you say both sides do that? Oh, come on. Yeah. Oh, okay. I got I got the evangelical Christians. There you go. <laughs> Republicans never have to woo them. They already have them. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Um, That's I, true. I'm going after the union jobs. I'm a union mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. Well, wait a minute. Like you just like screwed the union up there on the pipeline, didn't you? That's a bunch of union. Ah, nobody talks about that. Nobody talks about it. You know. So yeah. I don't All know. the unions are talking about it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. What did we just do? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And you know, another thing people don't talk about is like uh, when they say like stopping the uh, building the wall. It's like if they really understood contracts, that money's already paid. Right. You, you, you know what I mean? The money's already paid. So okay, you stop the wall. Now where's the money? Okay, now. Well, they diverted the money to build the the fence wall around the Capitol building. <laughs> See, evidently, Congress Congress is not fond of no knock warrants. Evidently, right, right, yeah. <laughs> Holy shit! Like we've pissed some people off, and they might, you know. <laughs> I know it scares a lot of people that, you know, the, the sacred house was like desecrated and shit. Yeah. How it's not the first time either though, actually. However, I mean, I think sometimes that, you know, there's a whole lot to be said for when, when government fear the people, there is freedom. That's the way it's supposed to be though. It is. They're supposed to be uh, shitless of us crazy assholes. And, I mean, and they're not. But they're not. They're not. They look at us with scorn, and I think that's what you—that's the backlash you saw at the Capitol. Mm. But but they're not afraid because of why? Because they've already proved in our faces they can flaunt hypocrisy and in our faces, and we don't care. I mean, I don't want to yeah. speak for everybody, but you, you know, just answered your own question, though. We we care. We just don't do shit about it. Right. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's an argument. Yeah. I, if you don't care. You. Who wants to be Crispus Atticus? <laughs> and how many times? <laughs> that's a good one. How many times have you heard? Uh, well, that's just politics, man. That's just politics, right? It's like when you sweep it under the rug, like okay, they they it's cheat on the much. election. Everybody cheats. They all cheat. You know what I mean? Oh, so okay. Then, yeah, it's, man. I guess it's yeah, right yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it's just matter who cheats better, right? Right. So it's like yeah. they, they were pissed off, so they attacked the Capitol. And it wasn't until uh, you and I had that conversation on a Facebook poll that I was like, wow, that, that, they took it to the government. You can act, that's, that's a valid point to me. Yeah, and, and, and that was the only thing that I was quote unquote supporting. It was the whole genesis of that argument is, right. you know, hey, you're just going and burning down some, some innocent, hapless dude's store because you're pissed. Well, you're just an asshole. Right, but if 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 you're pissed at the government and you take that shit to the seat of power, now I think you have a legitimate protest. Right, and the means in which you do that, we can discuss that all day long, right, wrong, and indifferent. 
but at least you're saying, you know, I feel wronged by you. I'm taking it out on you, not on some other dude that had nothing to do with it. Exactly. And I think it was, uh, was it Missouri where they, uh, Minnesota, Missouri, where they burnt down the uh, police station? Because I was, I was talking to someone about that and I was like, well, you know, they say the problem is the police, so they burn the police station. Right, so, right. They say the and problem is politicians. riled up about yeah. that one. Yeah. But they burned a police station down. Well, that's yeah. where their bitch was, was with the police station. Right. But you don't care that they burnt down a liquor store and a laundromat. And- right. Yeah. It's like, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I, I wouldn't call it hypocrisy, but maybe... Yeah, I just hear that clicking, man. It's like someone's typing. Yeah. But- <laughs> you gotta learn to ignore it. Yeah, yeah. You ignore me very well. You can't ignore the clicking. But anyway, Paul, what we were talking about. <laughs> but yeah, I just I just saw it as like sort of hypocrisy in a sense where it's like you said, you know, you're burning down a neighborhood, no one says anything, they justify it, but when you burn down a police station, everybody goes crazy. Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah. But I mean, also too, look look who's holding that and giving you that narrative, though. Mm. I mean, you really the media is the fourth estate there. It is the fourth column that we have out there. It's yeah, that that's the means that they they do the mass majority of the control of the population, in my opinion. And and Paul, you let me down in your first day as king. You didn't do anything about the media. Say again. You let me down with your for, for your first day as king. You didn't do anything about the media. Um, well, I don't, you know, again, I'm a huge advocate of free speech. I, I think you should be able to go out there and say whatever the F you want to say unabated so that we can make fun of you. Mm. Right. You just can't get all bent when somebody comes back and goes, Hey, that was the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Right. You can't get bent with that. And that's uh, unfortunately what happens is people go like, Hey, that, oh, you can't say that's the dumbest shit you've ever heard. But I can say what I, I can I can say. But I, I do think that there is a certain responsibility of the people that they've got to educate themselves. Yep. Yeah, so what we, do you find that information? Like that's becoming harder now. That's the problem to me. Is is even if you look at YouTube, all these Google, they're promoting the mainstream media, which I think are the ones that are lying the most. It's hard to find real information anymore. You know, and and maybe too, it helps that you know I was raised by de- depression era grandparents, um, like and and so I, I grew up with a, a tremendous level of cynicism. My grandfather used to always tell me, uh, "Don't leave your shoes outside, boys. The the gypsy's gonna come and take them." Like we have a gypsy problem in Richmond, Virginia, in the seventies or something. I'm guessing, right? But he was always the type of dude that was. You know, wasn't to the point of paranoia, but he always thought like, who's trying to screw me here? Like, what's the angle, you know, of that? And so when I look at the media, knowing that the media is manipulative, like what's their what's their angle? What's their bias? And you have to listen to a whole lot of sides. And, And really, honestly, some of the best news that I find actually is like in chat groups. Mm. I was going to say, you can because walk you out of so your- many different filters and perspectives given to you that. It's not just I'm I'm hearing one or the other. It's yeah, kind of like going into a pub. That's, that's interesting. Say again. Right. It's, it's kind of like going into a pub. Absolutely. Like 100%. It, yeah. Yeah. Yep. 
And that, that is proof, I think. You can walk out of your house, go to a grocery store. I mean, you can see even like with this whole COVID stuff, you know, people are like, it's killing everybody. I mean, you just got to go to a grocery store and see it's not killing everybody. Right. You know, but we're hearing all it from the media that you can just disprove it by walking out. It doesn't mean it's not real somewhere, but crazy. No, I don't think it's, well, to use that, that uh, statement, I don't think it's killing everyone in a particular area of the country or globe but they do say things like that on the media in the media yeah i'm talking in general it, yeah, it's kind of yeah fear porn is basically what they call it yeah they sensationalize everything that's what they're good at but i well, think it's up to the people to figure out you know what's what well in fear fear is an essential element in, con- in control too yeah you know if, if i can make you afraid and then now, okay, now you're afraid, and I can say, I'm, I, now I can protect you now that you are afraid. Like, my whole existence of having my hand in your pocketbook becomes a whole lot more tolerable. Uh, okay. Me telling you what to do, it's like, okay, like, I'm afraid, so I'm just going to listen to what you tell me to do because you yeah. tell me you can protect That's weird. Mike, Mike has me afraid, but he doesn't protect me. I don't, I don't understand. Something's missing here. <laughs> Hey, Mike, before this, before this goes the same route as our last previous episode, why don't we go ahead and close it here and move on to our pull the pin here. Sure. So, Paul, this is where we're going to give you the opportunity. Just to oh, Lord. Oh, God. Uh, tell the world what you want to pull the pin on and do away with because it's the stupidest thing you've ever seen. Go for it. The stupidest thing I've ever I mean, I've seen a lot of really <laughs> tremendously stupid stuff, but... I'm going to start with making beer with rice in it. Totally new. You want to elaborate? Oh, no, I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, oh, we'll, we'll leave it all with that. He just, that dropped, he just dropped the mic on that one, man. <laughs> I guess we're gonna drop this mic so I can close this show. Okay. <laughs> you have a powerful mute button on this one. That's interesting. That is all the time we have. No, we're, gonna, we're gonna end the show right here. We are gonna try to end the show if I can get through this closing because that is all the time we have for this episode. We thank you for joining us. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for getting to know Paul. We hope to come back next time. And until then, Godspeed. Hey, and pull the pin.